Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. Of course, right when we start, and uh, this is um, the Hanging uh, Cement Board Podcast. Welcome to it. I'm Peyton Jones, and uh, I'm actually hanging cement board with my feet right now. Very talented. Very this is how you know we are nothing but a high-class, high-caliber podcast where we're 421 episodes in, and we got a dude sanding in the background. Dude. I'm telling you, like I told him, I said during during my exponential show, you have to go because that 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 is a professional show. <laughs> a translation. I'm getting paid for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually not. I don't get paid for that. I just do it. Why? It's fun. I, I would do the it. Same reason I do this one. I would do it if I could promote something that would bring people back over to me so I could then well, turn around. I mean, they did include church plantology in this is like nuts. I'd be like, dude, come on, man. Knock it off. What are you doing? <laughs> you, don't so, have your yeah. little, you don't have your little feature on, do you, that, that muffles I it? I don't because I want my silky voice. And I want you to pick up every ounce of this in the background right now. So, yeah, no, uh, actually, so church plantology is part of the exponential series. So whenever Zondervan has a book and they feel like, hey, we can actually put this thing um, down to a, a, a um, you know, if it's something that fits our ethos and this and that. Well, so, I mean, in one sense, I mean, they're they're promoting my book already. So that's great. But, man, I will tell you this. Zondervan is putting a lot behind this book. And this may mean something to you because I, I think you listen to Church Zero on uh, Audible, right? No, you did it. Uh, no. You're actually in that book. See, 
this is why I didn't include, it's not, but this gives me a great excuse to say this. Uh, this is why you're not in my second book. Because I named you, I named your company in the first book, I said good things about you, I totally lied, and you didn't even listen to it. <laughs> yeah, but see, I, I did read it, but but no one else read it. That was the problem. I got I got no popularity for being mentioned because no I one guess. read your book. That's not true. That book got a it got a wide readership. It just they gave it away for free for two months. Yeah, that's right? it. That's yeah. what did it for you. It, no. it actually no, it actually got a lot of readership. That book did it did oh, okay on the right. readership part. Okay. So, you keep telling yourself whatever you gotta tell it yourself. Did. It didn't make me any money. But <laughs> that's how you know it didn't go very well. Hey, when you give a guy's up, but they promoted that. But anyways, uh, so yeah. So any of you listen to the audible of um, Church Zero, the same guy who did the audio audiobook, which he was fantastic. He was a genius. He ended up um, getting the. Uh, I'm gonna have to tell him you got to cut that somewhere else. I know what he's doing. He's hung the cement board in the shower. And he's cutting out the window. I know exactly what he's doing. I know this house now like the back of my hand, man. So I'm building my own house. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, you're not really building it yourself, though. Oh, I'm 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 a part of it. Trust me. Oh I, no, I, I know. I remember dude. you digging out the the pipes and stuff. And I just did that again. Did you? So yeah, I did it around the back this time. So laying a, a gas pipe out there. So yeah. Dude, guess what I did for the first time yesterday? Acupuncture. Oh, how'd you like it? I'm still in pain. <laughs> so It hurt? No, no. I mean, I, I, I went because I was in pain. <laughs> like, you know, I, I was, went. I was going to say, if, if, if you're in pain after acupuncture, you might not have answered that, uh, you know, Craigslist ad. <laughs> You just got somebody. Hey, I got some needles here. We'll yeah. just start poking yeah. these suckers. It'll some, work. Some some guy named named Bart. You know, I do your acupuncture. You know, he's got a cigarette there. hanging out of his mouth, and the ash is falling on your back while he's doing it. <laughs> so, Bart, how'd you get into this? I uh, I listened to a acupuncture podcast. I, I, I used to do that. tattoos. I had needles <laughs> left over. That's you know? <laughs> So, oh, that's oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, acupuncture, huh? I've been having all kinds of back pain since I started working out again. I don't know if it's like leftover from the surgery or just, you know, 10 weeks off, but I mean like massive okay. back pain. Okay. So I, I promise you, I'm not sending you to anywhere that's the equivalent of the dark web in real life, but I have a guy. He is a Vietnamese guy. He's on Beach Boulevard. Don't judge. I always go there with Andrea. <laughs> There's, there's nothing seedy about it. There if was said, a seedy one two if doors you said down. Massage therapist. I would have. I, I'm telling you, this guy is a miracle worker. You need to go to him. And what is he? Is he a massage therapist? He is. He is. And you got to go to him. You know, Ravi Zachariah just got. I'm just, I'm just saying. I always go there with Andrea. I'm just saying. Is she in the room with you? Is she yes. in the room with yes. you? Yes. Yes, it's. I'm telling you, it's weird. It's Did like you a see place that where Seinfeld like, where uh, George is either with a chiropractor or a massage therapist. Do you remember I don't that think one? you're supposed to talk about that episode on this. I'm podcast. not. I'm not going to go any further than that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. I yes, I'm very about. aware of that. 
<laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I'm not going to go see him. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm just saying, if you want unless, people to Unless Andrea is going to come with me. Hey, if you don't like a man putting his hands all over your body and rubbing your muscles, that's up to you. But I'm just saying, you know, it, 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 he's very good at what he does. Is he? Very good. Yeah. Except he does this thing where he grabs your ears and he goes like this and then he goes, Psh! and I'm like, oh, that dude's like trying to expel chi or something. I don't know what he's doing, but yeah. <laughs> You're like, I need all my chi. I need all my chi. Give me back my chi. <laughs> Give me that back. Give me that back. <laughs> what a discount you stole my chi dude so this podcast getting weird man he did the uh he did the the needles on my back he did the needles hooked up to electricity right so it's like shaking your your muscles there's ratchet time and then he did uh the suction cup right where like they stick the su- you know we can tell when you mute yourself because it goes I know. from oh, like i got you i got it no, now it sounds weirder. Like before, it was just regular background noise. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. I'll We're used on. to it. That's fine. Okay. That's what I'm gonna do the whole time you talk. When this thing, I'm gonna go in the background. So he does the suction cup thing, right? I mean, have you ever had that done? No, and that freaks me out actually. Well, I got like 18 hickeys on my back now because yeah. they they really. They really do the suction cup thing. Like, yeah, pretty yeah. Sure. That's that's to stimulate the blood flow to your your that part of your um, which you know theoretically it, it makes a lot of sense. Well, acupuncture is like different than chiropractic in that they actually went through all the scientific studies and proved it, and that's the oh, reason yeah. why insurance will cover acupuncture. And well, here's the thing, right? Like this this to me is fascinating. You, you guys remember I'm an RN, so. The, the Western medicine is all based around the ABCs, right? Airway, breathing, circulation. So it's all based around the circulatory system. We hinge everything in the West, Western medicine on that. Now, Eastern medicism, or medicism? Eastern medicism. Remember, I'm a it's professional, medicism. everybody. <laughs> That's Eastern how you know medicine. <laughs> Eastern medicine bases everything on the central nervous system. So, and, and what they would say is they would say like, you know, the whole idea of chi or whatever is not, I, I know in, it has a spiritual connotation because they believe that, hey, your spirit and your, your body interact with one another. Who, who knew, right? Like that's not biblical at all. But the, the whole thing is that they believe that kind of like a battery, like energy, if your circulatory system isn't going, you know, you, you get pulled blood. If your central nervous system isn't flowing right, um, because it's electrical conduits and circuits, they would say that you get energy stored up in certain parts of your body, like a battery, right? It's certain certain plates, places where uh, energy pools. So acupuncture is releasing that buildup, right? That's the whole idea of it. And yes, I do think that there's truth in it, um, even to the point where they would say, like on acupuncture. They would even stimulate parts like where they would say around your kidney. Like there was a, there was this thing I used to do. It was called um, Chinese yoga in Wales, but that's not the name for it. It's what the old Kung Fu masters do to strengthen their tendons. So when they're like 90 years old and they'll still kick your butt and they have no muscle mass, it's because they're tendons. So they do these ringing, twisting motions. It's not Tai Chi. Tai Chi is all about flow. This is about tension. 
And so I used to do this and they, they call it needleless acupuncture. So it's a certain type of exercise where if you do it right and you twist things, it opens up the electrical conduits in the same way acupuncture would. And I'm telling you, I did this thing. There was nothing spiritual about it. Um, the guy would explain it scientifically he's going through and you, there were times like you would start feeling the electricity buzzing through you. It was weird, man. And it was all your nerves. It's like when you hit your yeah. funny bone, it's all about manipulating. And he would say, your muscles have grown up and they've, they've occluded this. So this is the way you free all that up. It was amazing. If I could find a class on it today, I'd do it again. Interesting. So yeah, it was he didn't rad. give me any of that energy talk. Cause I asked him, I go, what do the needles do and the electricity do? And he's like, he was actually explaining to me the science behind it with like membranes getting stuck together and the needles breaking it up. And then the electricity is like shattering it yeah. more and spreading it out more from there. And I was like, all right, well that makes sense. So you yeah. can be talking smack for all I know, but well, the Eastern medicine is all about electricity. So they would say, think of it. If your nerves, your nerves are what power your kidneys. So we always go, oh, you need more blood to the kidneys. They're like, no, you need more uh, signals from the brain to the kidneys. Your kidneys, that signal's blocked. You're not getting enough energy to your kidney, enough electricity. So your electricity is functioning, or your kidney is functioning at 30% deficit right now. We need to stimulate that energy so your kidney's running 100%. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a totally different paradigm, and yet scientifically it works. Well, but. that's the reason why I was saying, like, at the time, and I, I mean, it's been a lot of years, but I remember chiropractic wouldn't do the scientific studies, which is why insurance companies hated chiropractors. But acupuncture was like, no, we'll do the scientific studies. We'll prove what we're saying, and they did. And that's why it's like even the WHO, like, promotes or acupuncture for several different conditions, and they're like, no, we got the studies that prove right. this stuff works. I was, I would just been in so much pain. I like, I don't care what I got to try. I'll do anything. Right. But then uh fun news for me. Uh, the reason why I had to start the podcast a little bit earlier, donating blood today. First time. Are you really? I'm a first timer. Hi, I'm wow. Pete. It's my first time. Nice. They're going to suck so out some blood. What, what kind of blood are you? You the rare kind? Like, can I sell you on the black market? No, I don't think I'm rare. I did my, uh, I did a do it yourself test at home. And it was my first A plus I've ever gotten in my life. <laughs> That's so rad. Did you like take it and put it on the refrigerator? I did laminate it and I got it stuck over there on the side of my desk. You need like, to you need to hang it on the refrigerator. A plus. I got an A plus. You need to train everyone in your household to go every time they get a glass of milk. Oh, we're so proud of you. <laughs> I did that last night. My daughter actually wrote this rad uh, paper on whales. So and she got an A plus on it. Nice. I was like, yeah, you know. How much Welsh. of it does she remember? Because how old was she when she left? Well, she lived there the first two years of her life, but it, so her paper was my favorite vacation spot. Oh, okay. And so so she, back there. she she goes, I love the weather. It rains all the time, and the rain is cold on your skin. And it, it was funny. I'm like, yeah, is it? But then she's talking about how it's all toasty when you light the fire and you curl up with tea and cakes and. It's true. Do you true. watch The Crown on Netflix? It's my favorite freaking show. Really? I love it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I used to be embarrassed. Like, I remember when it first came, um, funny enough, uh, I've mentioned the couple that, that we would go to their house, and he's like one of the master craftsmen, grandfather clock restorers in the world, one of the top three, probably the top. But um, 
but yeah, they live out in this little country, like, you know, 17th century house, farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we'll go stay with them for like weeks. And they're some of our best friends on the planet. But they, the one night they lit the fire It's in the winter. They're like, Hey, um, you just got to watch this. And they like, same thing. They, when, whenever you're in Wales and you're going to do anything, food and drink are a big deal. So they got it all set up and they said, just got to watch this show. We know you wouldn't, because it's about the queen. And if you're, they're English, but if you live in Wales, you're not big fans of the queen, right? right? Like that's, that's, they're not big royalists. So, uh, anyways, so, so they put it on and I'm hooked. First episode, I'm hooked, which is weird because it's about the queen. It is a masterpiece of a show and I am so into it. It's my favorite show. Better than any We show. just watched the episode that happened in Wales, you know, with there's the, two. Uh, there's two. Oh, is there? Well, it's yeah. the one with the landslide. It kills uh, all the kids. Abervan. Abervan. So when I moved there, it wasn't long that I got to Wales and people and Pete, I'm telling you. So this slag heat from uh, strip mining, it literally rolled down a hill. Um, it, the rain weakened the soil that it, it was a giant landslide that buried an entire school. And overnight, this whole village lost almost every kid in the community. Still to this day, if you're talking to somebody like when I was a firefighter, um, I, I met older firefighters that would talk about it and they cry because they remember going there. And like, he said, they were so desperate. Like people were using whatever they had. Like the, the town was like, imagine the parents. Yeah. And that's, that's when they'd start to cry. They'd be like, we'd be down there and the parents were like taking cooking sheets or whatever it was. And they were just trying, you know, to get it out of there, you know, like digging their kids out when the hopes that their kids are still alive. And, um, it's terrible, dude. Terrible. I know. Couldn't yeah, people still cry about it there when they talk about it. So, yeah. And then of course the queen can't cry. She's like, that, I dabbed a dry eye, and by some miracle, no one noticed it was dry. She's yeah. like, I'm broken. I that yep. Was funny. yep. And I, I remember um, I just listened to a book, uh, an audio book about Margaret Thatcher. And they mentioned that, that uh, when she went there, she wept. And see, I can't wait to see the episodes about Margaret Thatcher, because that comes in season four. Oh, and so we're, good. We're like episode three of season three. So, so good. Jillian Gil- Anderson is a Gillian Jillian from the X-Files. She's Margaret Thatcher. Oh my gosh, dude. It's amazing. Really? Transformation plays her so well. Wow. Oh my gosh. She should get an Emmy for that dude. I mean, yeah. What a, what a show. Oh my gosh. How did so they have Hillary play Margaret Thatcher? That's amazing. So, so have you seen the one where they send, um, <laughs> Have you seen the one where they send uh, what's his face um, out there, Prince? Uh, what's his name, Prince Charles? They send him out to Wales to study. Yes. So that was Aberystwyth, which was forty minutes drive north of Lampeter, where I was. So when they're talking about, hey, you know, when I tell you guys like the He's, church, he that called I, it hell on earth. <laughs> yeah, and Aberystwyth was was a step up from Lampeter. Let me tell you. Um, but we were the university town 40 minutes south and um, we were old. So uh, Trinity St. David's was the name of the university where I was at. Um, I had a little coffee shop right across the street. The church was running a coffee shop. My, my office was right over top. That's when I started doing student ministry. 
Um, things like, you know, the, the discussion groups. I talk about that in church plantology. Um, I accidentally planted a church there too. Didn't think of it as a church plant, but we ran this Sunday night thing that just, that's where people started getting saved. That was the precursor to what happened in the coffee shop. Mm. But what was interesting was, um, you know, when you watch that episode of the crown, you get the Welsh nationalistic vibe very strong. And um, like I said, Trinity St. David's outside of Oxford and Cambridge, it was the third university in the UK. So, um, but it, it, because it was in Wales, it was put there for, for Welsh people to study divinity or ministry. Um, it became um, kind of like this, this bastion of um, Welsh learning. There was the Bally University, which was further north in Aberystwyth. The Aberystwyth held the National Library of Wales. So that's why it became an epicenter as well, probably the epicenter of Welsh nationalism at that time. Um, but it, it, it weren't pretty where I was, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it, I've told people before that the church actually, uh, the reason I got, um, I won the vote when the church came to a vote, but the reason that I had to leave that church was over the Welsh language. The, the people, half my leadership team, was so passionate about the Welsh language. They felt what we were doing on Sunday night in English language was threatening the Welsh work that was also on Sunday night, um, mm. which they had said, hey, you could totally do it at the same time. But when mine started growing and Welsh speakers from the community started coming to it and getting saved instead of the Welsh meeting, that's why the church split. So when you watch that show, The Crown, and you're like, you, you see how important to them the language is. Um, that's no joke. Like I have personally experienced that. So interesting, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. You're watching that. I love that show. We ran out so of shows, good. man. Literally we we watched Dexter and it was like, okay, now we need another show. <laughs> the crown. Do you, did I tell you one time I showed up to, um, refuge long beach to disciple someone over it, um, during the week at the park. It was one of the homeless people and they were filming Dexter there. Oh, really? Yeah, there's an episode where they filmed that. You could probably Google it. There's an episode of Dexter that was filmed at um, Bixby, right? Bixby Park. Well, they filmed uh, a lot in Long Beach. I mean, there's so many times I'm like, oh, I know where that is in Long Beach. Oh, I yeah. know where that is in Long Beach. Yeah. 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 There's an episode filmed at Bixby Park, or at least part of it, at least. I, I asked the guys, hey, what's all the cops are there roping it off, the big catering tent. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, we're filming Dexter. So, Hey, what city do your kids go to school in? Uh, well, I, I'm not sure I'm comfortable saying that on the podcast. The city that they go to school in? <laughs> yeah. Well, we can talk after. I was just, cause I was just going to say, are they, are they a uh, full-time school? Yes. Is it, is it like hybrid or is it? No, it's full-time. Yeah. 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 But well, we have to, whenever we travel, we have to quarantine my kids for like two weeks. So that always sucks. Yeah, we don't believe in quarantine. <laughs> I don't believe in all that. We don't. Vir virology stuff. What was stuff. funny is I was talking to a, a church planner who shall remain unnamed. And uh, <laughs> he and his wife got COVID. 
And he goes, we still had to send our kids to school because there's no way we could get better with them here because we needed them gone. So they full on, even though they had COVID, they sent their kids to school. They're like, you got to go. You got to go. You got to get out of the house for six hours or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes I, I wonder why this is going to keep going until next Christmas. And then I don't. <laughs> <laughs> People are dumb. That is the, and sorry, nameless church planner. I don't know who you are, but you know, you seem dumb. Hey, his uh, his kids didn't get it. Well, and apparently they don't. Right, they, they were out of the house, so you know who knows. Hey, that's that. Apparently, that's you can only catch COVID. A good idea. You can only catch COVID between eight and three. So if you get the kids out of the house between eight and three, you're safe. Yes, or after ten at night. Don't forget ten well, at night. If you li- only if you live in California, it's more dangerous. Ten at night. Does he still have that going on? The curfew. I, I think he removed all that stuff when they went to recall him. So yeah. I'm He's not going to get fingers. recalled. You don't think so? No, because last time we did a recall, which was Gray Davis, we had an Arnold Schwarzenegger. We don't have an Arnold Schwarzenegger who could actually beat out a Democrat. So it's like, so what? If you did actually recall Gray or uh, um, Newsom, you're just going to put another idiot in there, and it's not literally. It's literally not going to change if the guy actually gets out. Right. Right. Yeah, you need you need someone who can actually win, and we don't have that. No, we don't, Dewey. That's kind of a bummer. Mm. Oh well. Yeah, yeah. I've not I've not been a fan. I I guess just because everything's just running down so quickly in our state right now. I mean, it is really running down fast. That that's the thing that scares me about what's happened in Washington D.C. is so many people right now on. Biden's cabinet or Californian governors, like, and you're like, dude, Californian policy, and you're like, do not make the rest of the country like California, please. Oh, they're trying to. Oh my gosh. We're we're just such a wreck. We're just such a wreck. Why would you do that? You know? So, because they still look at it and go, well, it's still the most prosperous state. So it must be good. Yep, they're all you know, Pete, I was going to say, we haven't talked yet about um, the Rabbi Internet, the Rabbi Zacharias stuff that came out. I'm wondering if we were going to do today our first question. I, I went on Facebook and, and got a whole host of new topics. And I was like, man, we should talk about those. But I kind of wondered, like, what, one was, hey, grooming a church planner within myth or legend. And uh, I would love to talk about that. And that was going to be today's topic. But. I kind of wondered, should we venture into the Rabbi Zacharias territory? Sure. Do you think that's something that should be addressed? What do we do with that? Like, Sexual immorality is always a great topic to talk about. <laughs> well, I, I think it's I think it's important because it, it highlights um, something about ministry in itself, and maybe a misunderstanding that we have about ministry. Um, in this country, should we head into it? Uh, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the needy creed. Wait, I forgot. Great Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Great Scott. Yeah. Yes. You know, it highlights something. For those of you that know, and Pete and I, I think we talked about this ages ago. I I don't like to come on and say, oh, this guy failed. This is how he failed and and cast shade on on people for their their failings. I just don't like doing that. Um, But I do think this one's worth talking about simply because of the, the the gospel um, impact that that Ravi had and, and the helpful resources he provided to so many 
who were also able to use um, a lot of what he said and did for gospel impact. Um, I think you need to set it up for anybody who doesn't know yeah. the story. Yeah, go for it, man. Well, <laughs> I thought or do you, you want could, me to. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I can't you could yes. set it up. <laughs> I just figure I don't, I don't want to talk this whole time. So Rabbi Zacharias, um, he, he's uh, a well-known apologist. Yeah. He's, I, I think he's originally from India, but he, he may be from Pakistan. I, don't, I, I thought it was India simply because Joseph. Wow. Did you uh, freeze up there? Did your internet cut out? I, I know him. You and you totally just cut out for like the last minute. As soon as you said Joseph, burp, you were gone. Oh man, that's crazy. I know. Yeah, I'm supposed to say that, eh? So uh, no, we had a guy in um, Refuge Long Beach where he would be like, "Do not trust him." Uh, I, I know he's big. I really know he's famous, or yeah. And he said, "I know him." Dude, you're breaking up. What is going on with your internet all of a sudden? As soon as we get into the topic, come on. And they have a platform here. And he's like, I knew him. <laughs> Don't trust him. And I'm like, oh, okay. So uh, anyways, but I didn't listen to that, you know, because everybody gets a fair shake, right? But I, it, it comes up later. You think, huh? But I, I remember once somebody that you respect and, and love and, and, and is in your church, you get to know him, travel with him. You you know, I don't always agree with Joseph and he doesn't always agree with me about stuff. So, you know, I take it with a grain of salt. But Rabbi Zacharias was greatly um, used, I would say, in an in apologetic fashion to um, debate, and he went around to college campuses, universities. Now, over the last few years, there was something called Ravi Watch that was set up by an atheist, which was a website that um, started questioning the credentials that he claimed. He claimed to have credentials and university degrees and be a lecturer or a professor at such and such school, and he wasn't. None of it, none of it was true. And so this atheist that would go to his debates put up this thing saying, I checked out his background. His credentials aren't real. Um, and then the accusations that started coming up, Some this woman contacted him and said, hey, I saw your site, RaviWatch.com, and um, I have been trying to get heard on these sexual assault allegations, and nobody's taking me serious. And so... Um, there was a, she took him to court. Um, I think it, it got settled. So I'm, I'm trying to remember my facts. If I'm wrong on this, I apologize. You can look at this all public. Yeah. And it was 2017 that I remember because I remember way back then reading this stuff going, how come nobody's talking about this? I, I was never a huge rabbi, Ravi Zeka. I've never read a book he's read or written, but I know that he had one. I, actually, I did read this one. I read this one called uh, The Cross and the Lotus Leaf, which was an imaginary conversation between Buddha and Jesus. And I actually found that really helpful. And so, um, uh, but anyways, uh, it turns out that now it's come to light that there were a lot of um, inappropriate, I guess he had a lot of back problems. So he went to acupuncture. No, I'm teasing. He went to, um, he went no, to massage. He went therapist. to massage therapist. He went to massage therapist. He didn't and have Andrea go with them. That was the problem. That was the problem. And, you know, he had like a couple of apartments in Bangkok and things like that. And a lot of accusations now come. There's a, there's a number of women. Um, it's something like 10 women now that have said, yeah, 
you know, we just knew we wouldn't be heard or whatever. And, um, and even back in 2017, it, it got quickly buried under the rug, but his text messages and communications with this one woman, um, had come out and, and he was suicidal and he was saying, this will destroy my ministry. It'll hurt millions of people. And I can't go on living if you go public with this. And there was, I think there was a payout that went to her. Um, and she was a married woman. He was having, um, very inappropriate, uh, sharing pictures of genitals and suggestive. And I don't know if they ever slept together or not. Um, and, you know, I, I hate to bring this stuff up because it's, you know, it's, it's not my place to share somebody else's secrets, but the, the, um, what it, it's turned into now is, you know, not just consensual sex or consensual things. It is now turned because the one woman who is married, it was consensual. And then she felt overcome with guilt and said, I have to go public with this. And that was their text back and forth. But since it's come up with sexual assault allegations, once they hired an investigator, it came up to know there's actually he's assaulted people as well in non-consensual encounters. And so, um, uh, but, but back in 2017, when this came up, um, it was a, um, it was a, um, uh, he, he said, I learned a lot. I guess he told his board, I learned a lot from this. Um, I, I will be more careful. And I, 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 I had an affair of the heart. It never went any further. And, um, but now it's come out with the investigations board, got a lot of pushback back then. Like you're not taking this seriously enough. You need to invest. So they hired a third party investigator and since come out that even like the very next day after that, he was getting more nude photos from people and sending and receiving. And so, um, there clearly was not any repentance. And like I said, now that, um, things have come out that are, um, are, um, public, it, it's been obvious that not only the credentials, but the, there's been a lot of deception, a lot of license, and um, the texts are very concerning, very disturbing. I deserve this for my faithfulness. He helped a woman out financially using funding from the ministry. And then you can read, you know, there's a big Christianity Today article on all this. So all these things are concerning, you know, um, and uh, a lot of Questions generated about the Billy Graham rule have come up. Um, you know, uh, people of just Twitter, which is the cesspool of of the internet. Um, you know, for people's opinions, uh, it's been really controversial. You know, some people are saying this is why the Billy Graham should, rule should be in place, and they're like, "Well, he followed the Billy Graham rule, apparently, but he set what was the his Billy life Graham up." Rule? Billy Graham rules that you can't ever be with a someone of the opposite sex um, alone. He was with the queen alone. I'm just saying, <laughs> I saw that episode. No, that was Billy Graham. I know. Oh, you're talking. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Billy Graham was with the queen alone. What? Scandalous. That wasn't that a rat episode. Are you sure? What? I, it was all right. I, <gasps> I didn't really like the actor who played Billy Graham. So, you know. Oh, okay. That when she gets on her knees, though, in her room, like, oh, so oh yeah, because she's dealing with unforgiveness. Yeah, I remember That's that. That's so powerful. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That, so anyway, a gal from our church wrote all the history for the for the uh, production company when they did that episode. So when are we all getting together for dinner with that lady? Uh, they moved. 
Dang it. Yeah. I think they're in Bakersfield now or something. You're dead like to that. me. I'll go to Bakersfield. They have a Cracker Barrel there. <laughs> no one goes to Bakersfield. <laughs> if they got a Cracker Barrel, Peyton's getting in a car and driving out there. So, uh, anyways, so yeah, I, you know, going into all this, I think, you know, uh, someone I saw on Facebook had, had raised a question What do you do with the works of a um, disgraced leader? Or, or, or artist or producer of content. And they mentioned Michael Jackson. He said, I still have Michael Jackson albums. Do I throw those albums away, burn them? And, you know, of course, that's only because they're opinion. not good. Like Michael Jackson was never that good. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's not my type of music, but you he could have, dance, but that's it. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I, there was that dude had so much freaking talent. It's not my kind of music at all. I couldn't listen to him, but. I, I I can recognize the crazy amount of talent that dude had. Yeah. Um, but you know, I do think it's something that we got to talk about. Um, everybody, you know, because then people start saying, "Well, was he a Christian? Was he not a Christian?" You know, um, all the, all those kinds of questions. I'm not prepared to answer that question. Um, that's not whether or not he was a Christian. I can't answer that. All I know is I've been a pastor for a number of years. And I subscribe to the John Wesley um, theory of everything that is the only thing you can ever hope to expect from people is to be disappointed. Right. Um, I, I don't, there's nothing that shocks me for Christians anymore. I mean, Paul writes about the Corinthians where he says, you know, one of you has his father's wife, you know, or, uh, you know, and, and, and you boast about it. You know, and he and he makes a point that hey, there's judgment for this kind of stuff. You know, he tells them to to repent. But on one hand, Rabbi Zacharias, I mean, there has been judgment for this um, it, on Earth alone. <clears throat> he's his name's been trashed. His his ministry has been questioned. His his legacy has been ruined. That that sucks, right? You 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 have people like Billy Graham that we we look at and we think, man. You know, we stand on that guy's shoulders in many ways now. Um, but when you're disgraced, I mean, it only lasts for so long. I mean, any platform that you had has been taken and, and your name goes from being famous to infamous. That is a type of judgment. Yeah. And also to me, I look at it and go, I, I was kind of surprised at his organization that they were willing to w- release everything. Like they're like, we're not going to hide anything. We're not going to, you know whatever the investigative firm comes up with, we're going to actually give you their report. You can read it directly from them. Well, because when the money means, stops flowing, right. I will say all this. them are going to be out of work really quick. Well, when the money has stopped flowing, the only way you ever see that is I believe when the money stops coming in and I'm sure the money stopped coming in and they freaked out. There have been multiple. Well, I don't know that. It, I, I don't know that at all. And I don't want to claim that about it. It could have just been, Hey, they were trying to do the right thing even if that meant they were going to lose their jobs over it. Well, and I don't, I don't know that that's the case, but I would, I would assume that that is the case. I, I can't assume it. I don't think it's right to assume it. I don't, I'm not going to throw them under the bus without knowing that story. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, the only thing you can ever hope to expect from people is to be disappointed. And my, my view of people is such that, because the, one of the things that happened was they came under a lot of scrutiny for not dealing with it in 2017. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but if my board yep. knew that I was texting a woman, number one, the last, the last thing I'd ever hear 
was click, click, click. How do you reload this stupid thing? Right. Like from my wife, <laughs> you know, that, that would, that would be the last, last thing I ever heard. He calls me Pete. How do I reload the guy? <laughs> I knew I should have been listening to your podcast, Pete. But you know, the, the, the thing is, is that a, my wife would kill me and I, I don't think we'd survive. Number two, um, my board would have no interest in keeping any ministry going. I mean, this, this is where I started off and I didn't get a chance to really say it, but this to me is the, the weakness of Christian ministry is when we build a machine, when we build something that becomes this great platform, um, we feel we have to keep it going because of quote unquote, all of the good it does for Jesus. Right. And, and, and therefore the priorities start to get misplaced and this can happen in, in your ministry. I think one of the things that I loved about church planning so much was I knew in my church plans, I was never going to get famous because of the, the type of ministry that I did. Now I wrote a book, I started a podcast with you, um, those things, I guess, gave me some some platform and what have you. But I don't think I've ever been in love with my platform. You know, any anything like I'm on social media because I want to keep writing. I feel I have a message and want to speak it. But I don't I don't need to be famous. Does that make sense? Yeah. I just would like to write some more books. I love writing. It's part of who I am. And recently, I was like, you know, I think I probably shouldn't say this out loud, um, <laughs> especially with a book on the way. But I was thinking to myself, I probably won't write any more church planning books in the future. Um, I feel like I've said a lot about it. Um, but I think um, I'm going to just write stuff about the scripture. I'm on through the word. Now, that they have a crazy platform. But one of the greatest things about it is I'm not one dude speaking in the middle of a crowd with thousands of people. It's more that I get to come alongside a stadium of people one at a time. They're not a crowd all at once, and I'm the center of attention. It's individuals all around the world listening to something that's a Bible commentary for eight minutes a day. And there's a degree of obscurity. Like, if you don't listen through the Word, you don't know who the heck I am. You know what I'm saying? You don't know who Chris Langham is. And there's something about that that really resonates with me that I can go back to that thing that I had when I was a missionary where I can still have influence and impact, but I can embrace obscurity at the same time. Because personally, I'll tell you, Peyton Jones and Wired for Fame. I think that comes off when we're doing our stuff that you and I are not doing all the stuff on this podcast we would do to get famous. Um, there's a lot of things I we wanted to do. be the big fish in the church planning <laughs> pond. <laughs> I know, Pete, I'm sorry that your dreams got shattered. Um, but, you know, back to back to the, how we opened up this conversation, um, that whole thing about um, when that church, uh, when I felt called to resign, from, I, I won the vote. I could stay. They were supposed to leave. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're done here. Right. Like uh, that broke me. And there was a lot of things in my heart at that time. I did want to be the golden boy. I want to be the next Spurgeon. I want to be the next Lloyd Jones. It's funny. Uh, I never got over that breaking. I just recently have been thinking about putting my sermons online. 
Um, but I've never put my sermons out there um, ever since because there's a part of me like, I don't want to have what Mark Driscoll had. Like people, and, and maybe that's vain for me to even think that would be a thing. Like people like my preaching that much. But my, uh, I, I got known in Wales, at least, I, I, for lack of a better term, I was somewhat famous in Wales for preaching. And I, I, I got invitations to go to conferences. I got invitations to preach all over. Um, I could have just probably made a decent living being an itinerant preacher. And when I got broken, I was like, I'm done. That was just, that was a train wreck. That was, that was, it was foolish. It was stupid. And I think to a certain degree, what we have in Christianity is this thing where like, this guy must be so important because so many people listen to him. And when I look at Jesus, Jesus looks at a crowd of 5,000 people and goes, I got to get rid of these people. Like it's so the opposite. He heals people knowing that this, this will cause this massive stir and he commands them not to tell anybody about it. That's rad. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. that's ministry. And I'm not saying if, if you have platform, like should Ravi have had a platform? Um, probably not. Like if your character is not, like if you know in your heart of heart, like I don't see how that doesn't freak you out. Like there's times where like, Andrew and I will go through a rough time in our marriage and, and we're in counseling anyway. So we're doing all this stuff we ought to be doing, but there's occasionally times I go, Oh, we're doing really bad right now. Like, like, you know, we're, we're, we're struggling through our marriage at, at this stage. Um, I, I don't want to let people down. And then that's always been a factor in ministry. You always know, like at any moment, your own character flaws could open up and just destroy everything. Um, my buddy is a guy named Di Hanke. He was my best friend in Wales. Um, he, he's fasting off Twitter right now for Lent starting today, but he is to me, one of the, 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 the pure drops in an ocean of noise. His, um, his tweets bring a sense of Christ and the glory of God in a way that, that few people on Twitter do for me. Um, but he He's very much wired, very much cut from the same cloth. And one of the things I'm, I'm losing my train of thought because Ricky's dropping stuff up the stairs. So that's, can you hear him in the background? Barely. He's dropping stuff. So it's, it's, I know he's dropping cement board. <laughs> so I'm like, stuff's expensive. So, um, anyway, and it cracks when it breaks, when it falls. But, um, anyways, what was I saying? Um, uh, Ravi, uh, die. Um, his Twitters, his tweets. His- yeah, I was just getting ready to say, oh, he was mentioning the Billy Graham rule. And he had this tweet last week that said, you know, um, I, tw- I posted on the, the let me let me actually read it real quick. Sorry. Didn't know I was going this way. We'll look it up because it's better if I read it. Because <clears throat> I, I put a response on there that I think was um, helpful. Um, okay. So he says over the weekend, my timeline has been full of people ridiculing and railing against such boundaries. To be honest, it makes me really sad. Everyone has 
to, uh, oh, sorry, let me do the first one. In almost 20 years of marriage, by God's grace, I've never cheated on my wife and never been accused of unfaithfulness or inappropriate behavior. Now, keep in mind, Di is a guy who plants in some of the roughest, he and I found a new breed network together. He plants in some of the roughest neighborhoods in, in Wales, and he um, started up a coffee shop that employs people from sex trafficking. I mean, I've interviewed him on Ministry Ninja. I, I can't remember. Do we post him on here? I don't think so. So, uh, but he says part of that is due to ministry boundaries that I agreed on with my wife. Apparently, some call it the Billy Graham rule. Over the weekend, my timeline has been full of people ridiculing and railing against such boundaries. To be honest, it makes me really sad. Everyone has to make their own decisions before God, and I will take whatever people throw at me. My wife is secure, my marriage is happy, and no scandals. Right? Like, that says it all right there. But um, I came on there and said, I'm with you, brother. What people fail to understand is that it comes from being aware of your own brokenness that such boundaries are put in place. Like, like uh, I've never sexually assaulted a woman, and I would definitely um, uh, go to the mat to defend anyone being victimized. And I remember back then, I would tell people, they bring up Ravi, and I say, you know that <laughs> there's some things. Like, I wouldn't want to be that guy, but I say, you know, and they'd be like, oh, no, no. And so I stopped saying it after a while, you know. Um, I never went publicly and said, hey, you know, Ravi Zekar, and, you know, dragged him through the mud and tied him to the back of a chariot and, you know, dragged him around. I, 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 I hate, I, I even I'm torn talking on this, but I do think for the sake of victims, we do need to, to air this out and say, hey, this can't happen, guys. Um, you can't do this and you shouldn't be protected in ministry. No ministry is bigger than an individual who's been victimized. I don't care. Like, if, if I know what Jesus, Jesus would be like, you know what? Thanks, Ravi. Appreciate what you did. Um, but I don't need it. Right. It, it, you know, how like Jesus said, you know, um, how the Pharisees, they do this stuff and he goes, you know, they tie their, their mint and cumin and all this. And he goes, I would rather you had just acted justly in your life. You know, like when, when he's given the woe to the Pharisees, he says, you should have neglected the former, you know, uh, or neglected the latter and done the former. Um, I think, I think really, um, he has shown the, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justly, uh, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Those three things, right? Like that, that's the heart of it. It doesn't matter what big ministry that you build. And Jesus said, and I'm not applying this to Ravi. I, I don't, like I said, I'm not prepared to say where he stands before God. That's between him and God. But Jesus said, in the last day, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, did we not Cast out demons, new miracles in your name. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. It doesn't matter what ministry we build. And I just think the church needs to get that through your head. If, if you are displaying the glory of Christ through a life that is submitted to God, filled with the Holy Spirit, you are doing far more than a dude who's filling stadiums, right? Or have a, it, just that, that power of one life is going to be huge. You know, yeah, it was interesting. Um, Ruben had posted a video of uh, another apologist guy who I, I didn't know who he was. I think his name is David Wolf or something like that. Um, guy has an interesting story. He's, I don't, do you know who that guy is? Who I'm mm -hmm. talking about? No, he's a diagnosed sociopath. And 
So like he's going through his own struggles of, look, I have no empathy for people. Like I, he's all, my wife is bawling her eyes out to me and I'm just staring at her. And one time she comes up to me and says, do you realize how hard it is for me to be bawling my eyes out, pouring my heart out and just have this cold dead stare staring back at me? And he goes, and I thought I was doing good. Cause normally I would just turn around and walk away. Cause I, why are you even crying? This is stupid. That's so rad. And I'm like, Dude, how do you be a socio like a diagnosed sociopath and and anyway, and he got saved in jail. But so Ruben posts his video, and I, I really got to tell you, it was it was a phenomenal video, really good because a couple of things that he points out. One, he references Breaking Bad, so automatically he wins my heart right there. But he's like, you know, if you look at the whole story of Breaking Bad, it was started out with making one bad choice. And then it was like, well, another bad choice and then another bad choice. And then, well, I got to do this. Now I got to do that. I mean, and if you look at it, that really is that story, right? At first, it's like, you know, I want to, I got cancer. I'm going to die. I got to set my family up for life. And then it becomes, oh, I got to kill all these people in prison at once. Or my empire is going to, like, it was just one bad choice after another that finally got him to, to where he was at. And so he, he talks about some book that he read on willpower, and I thought it was really interesting. And the premise of the book was that basically you've got one tank of willpower. And oftentimes people will be using that for one other thing. And so like he brings up uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And, you know, he goes, imagine the willpower it takes to be marching with people spitting on you, throwing you in jail, beating you, whatever. And you're not reacting back to them. And then he's also got this this history of affairs during this time. And it's like, okay, well, Satan's not getting you that way. So, but he knows your willpower tank is empty. And he goes after you another way that he can get you. And he goes, and he points out the difference though, is Martin Luther King Jr. was ashamed at what he had done. Ravi Zacharias from everything we've seen, he wasn't ashamed at all. Right. He was like, I'm just going to cover this up. He was entitled. I mean, the, the text where he goes, this is God's reward to me for a life of faithfulness to him and serving him. Like that was one of his comments on these women that he, yeah. that he pressured into sex for money. And that, that 2017, he gets her to sign a, a non-disclosure. And as soon as it's signed, he comes out and says, you know, she did all this bad stuff and she can't talk about it because she signed a non-disclosure. Right. Right. I mean, he, he, he the hearts were not in the same place. Right. As a Martin right. Luther King jr. Who was totally ashamed. Yeah, No, I totally, I totally and, agree. And I think that's a key thing too, is because uh, I'm like you, I'm like, how, I don't know how you could do ministry knowing you're doing that. Like I would have so much shame. I would be like, I can't, I can't be a pastor. I can't be out there speaking. Look at what I'm doing. This is, yep. Yep. but we do, we get, we get into those opinions and those, those mindsets of, well, you know, look at all these people who look up to me, you know, what's my church going to think when they find out this, what's my family going to think, you know, I'm the pastor, you know, my whole extended family knows I'm the pastor and yet I've cheated or I've done this or I've done that, or I've done the next thing. But, you know, it's so funny, man, because that's that's the thing. When you're a pastor, people tell you you're, you're amazing. I mean, people tell you the opposite, too. But, you know, I don't like, think I've ever told you you're amazing. Just so we're clear on that. You know, it hurts sometimes, Pete. 
Are I, you going to go I, cry about it? Because I'm, I'm just going to stare rock, at you with you a dead know. stare. You know, it, it, it's funny because, you know, people will. They'll be like, oh, dude, you're so amazing. And you got to know you're not. You know you're not amazing. You can't believe that crap. You know you're not amazing. You know that, like Paul says, you know, we put no confidence in the flesh. It's one of my favorite verses. And then another time he says, um, in my flesh dwells no good thing. Um, on the Ministry Ninja podcast today, we were talking about reaching the unreached. I've got that section in the chapter on Jerusalem where I say, I hate people. And for pages, I go on and on about how the natural Peyton hates people and is a people hater and a non-people person. And I took great comfort that Paul was that way. I think Paul naturally hated people, was irritated by them, couldn't stand them. And then he goes, but the love of Christ compels me. Like this supernatural love of God comes through me. And I remember being with people that I think I would naturally have no concern or care for you. And right now my heart is breaking for you. And I'm like, that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's how ministry happens is Peyton Jones is not um, the dude. He's not the amazing one in this equation. I, I am not. And that is the secret to ministry. And I've always tried to be like really real about who I am. But I also strive for personal holiness right? Um, fall way short of what I need to be. But to me, there's this idea that I always tell God, like, you know, there's a couple things. A, I don't want to be gross and a pervert, right? Like the brain that changes itself will scare you off porn forever if you've never read that book. And it tells you about the effects of, of porn on the brain. But number two, I want to stay married. I want to honor and be faithful to my wife. Number three, um, I don't need to be in ministry. I never have needed to be in it. When Paul says, woe unto me if I don't preach a gospel, you guys, there was a point in my ministry where uh, as, as gifted as I think God gifted me in evangelism, there's always been this thing like, God, I don't have to do this. I, I don't I don't feel what Paul felt. Um, Spurgeon tells me I should. I could go do, and for years I did do other jobs and I tried to get away from ministry. And to be honest, through the word has been amazing because I get to use my gift again for the first time in, in years now to preach. And we're getting ready to put this thing together that's going to be for this generation of, of people that are so far from God. Um, we're, we're, we're putting together this cool thing for it. And, and I love that because I think we've got a medium that's going to help reach. So I'll get to use some of that, but God doesn't need me. Right. I guess is what I'm saying. He doesn't need me. And I learned that a long time ago. And I realized at a certain point, I don't need ministry either. I am a servant. And servants are not. If I say I'm in here because I must do this or I, I stop being a servant. I'm a servant on call. When you need me, Lord, I'm here, but I don't think you need me. But if you bless me with being able to do this, I'll do it. But if if you're addicted to porn, either get out of ministry, you know, if you're sending texts, if you don't have, you're, you're messing around with someone, get out now or get help. Like one of the two, you can't have like, if you think, oh, but the world needs this ministry. No, it doesn't. It doesn't need a ministry where somebody's behind the scenes doing the opposite of what they're saying. Like the world, trust me, the world doesn't need one of those, not any more of those. And, and <laughs> the world needs you 
it doesn't matter to, to go work at Home Depot and love Jesus and be true to God and true to your wife and true to yourself. The world needs more people like that, to be honest. And that's my mic drop moment right there. So while I'm working at Home Depot and now I've abandoned my church, uh, <laughs> who's going to help out with all the accounting and bookkeeping and payroll and everything? Well, that's a good question, Pete. It's simplifychurch.com. Simplify Church. Oh, simplifychurch.com. Simplifychurch.com, Pete. It's that simple. It's for the non-math pastor, and they will help you work through all of your accounting needs, and they'll help you find your 941s. Do you even know what a 941 is? Uh, No, because I have simplifychurch.com. Well, they'll handle all that, because trust me, when I had to audit the insurance for New Breed, I needed 941s, and I didn't know what they were in Simplify Church. Not only knew what they were, they got them for me and delivered them to the insurance company. They do more than what's on the label, Pete. SimplifyChurch.com. Hey, and if I could give another commercial, um, it would be, I'm starting coaching. So if you want some coaching, uh, it could be for your ministry. It could be for your personal life. It could be for writing. could be for anything. I am starting coaching. The first session is going to be on March 5th. And it's $200 a month. Calls last an hour and a half. And uh, you'll be in a group of anywhere from two to eight people. I don't know why I'm like literally arbitrarily picking that number, but uh, you can join at ministryninja.com forward slash slash coaching. And this is a first for me. I've never done this. So uh, I've been in other people's coaching calls. I've, I've appeared. I've uh, I, I got trained by Bob Logan how to do these years ago. I'm, I helped Mac Lake. What's up? But I've never done it. And I'm kind of at a point right now where I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I think I'm going to enjoy it. So if you want to join it, that's my pitch. That's the worst pitch ever for coaching. Right, Pete? (laughs) We'll work on it more. All right. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. See, I need you. That just shows it. I, too, need coaching. I, too, am a man under orders, said the centurion. Cool. All right. Do our sign up because I got to go run over and give blood. Yeah, buddy. All right. Go go spill that A-plus blood. All right. So uh, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music